never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration. Today we have got another fantastic interview because I've got Paul Solomon with me. And when I first read about Paul, I thought, oh my God, I'm the opposite to him, the complete opposite, because he's a love language specialist. And I've proven again and again, unfortunately, in my own relationship with my gorgeous wife, that I don't get, I mean, she might be talking Chinese as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, I don't know, some very broken German. And we often don't understand each other. So therefore, it came at a very opportune time when I read about Paul. But there's so much more to uh, love language than just relationships. How can we actually change our society? How can we change the, the maybe increased risk of violence within our schools? Are there is not communication and a language the key to our success as a society? So I can't wait to talk to Paul. Paul, welcome to my show. Thank you, Stefan. Glad to be with you. My pleasure. Ah, uh, oh, fantastic. So there you were, eight years old, sitting on the kitchen table with mummy and said, Hey, I know what I want to do. I want to become a love language specialist. That's what I do. That's how I make my money. Said no eight-year-old ever. <laughs> so how did you come about to become a specialist and to someone who's passionate about communication? A very interesting question, Stefan, and I appreciate the introduction that way. I actually learned the opposite of love. And that's how I really came to be. So in my childhood, and it probably stems from an ancestral thing, it's generational, that it's mm -hmm. something that's passed on from generation to generation, something that's not really good, a good thing to pass on. But sometimes that we as parents just pass it on just by our example to the kids. And so I want to start a little bit with my grandfather. He had nine children. And after the ninth child, his wife passed away suddenly. He was so distraught, as anybody would, he was so distraught about that, that he decided that he would sell the farm and he would sell all the equipment. And we make bad decisions when things are uh, happen like that emotionally. We sometimes make very bad decisions, as he did. When people came to pick up that equipment, he said also, and would you like this child? And would you like this child? And would you like this child? and systematically gave all the children away except for one. And he took Benjamin with him to Montana in the United States and found a, a woman that was a school teacher, not married, married her, had 10 more children, of which my father was number six, 19 children. My, oh. father, was, my father was born in 1922. I was about to ask you what kind of situation that was. Um, yes. which kind of age and what what actually had occurred. Uh, was your granddad in the First World War or was he affected in that? No, no, he passed away um, and, and was too old to be in, in the First World War. Gotcha. But what he did, he passed away just when my father was 10 years old, which was 1932, yeah. the depth of the Great Depression. Goodness. So now, now you have these abandonment issues You've got economic issues, and then you've got the issues of, of how um, how's that mother supposed to feed 10 children? And then all the other children are farmed off. I, I can look in the census records and see the, how many families 
they are with in each one in, in Indiana, look at those census records and find what families started raising those. I need to research that a little further to find out what happened to those people and what did they do? How did they how did they cope with that father their father giving them away to someone else? And wow. it was just just that kind of dysfunction, that kind of bad decision making, I believe, is that generational thing that was passed on. We do what our parents teach us to do. And it's unfortunate that way. I haven't given any children away, but my father had 11 children. He kind of backed off a little bit from his, his father that had 19 children. And I backed off even a little bit more. I only have eight children, Stefan. <laughs> I, my, children, my children have three. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> Where to start? Where to start? But it's always hard. I mean, from nowadays, uh, perfect twenty twenty vision. Looking back, oh my God, how could they do that? It's very hard for someone who has got no means, no has got no hope, has got no help, is isolated. Uh, to come to a point where enough is enough and they make decisions however harsh they appear to be nowadays at that moment in time they actually made sense mm -hmm. and we see that throughout the whole world um this is even happening today and we've got uh children trafficking i mean what was it three hundred thousand children uh un unaccompanied minors uh coming from uh the south of the united states into the united states uh and becoming essentially cheap slave labor uh through some not very nice uh people um, and that's happening right now in the United States. So here we are thinking, oh, my God, what did your grandparents do? In reality, this is a cycle that keeps going. So it is. Just to break it. And so so I, m my father, because of that economic situation that happened and because of Great Depression, he had to stop going to school. Only get, we made it through eighth grade. And so as an eighth grade graduate, he was able to get a job as a truck driver mm. and became, that's what he did for his whole life. And I remember a very good thing about my father that he'd be gone during the week, but he'd be home on Friday, every single Friday. And I don't remember ever a time that he missed, he would take out my mother on a date. Now, he wasn't very creative. It was always the Maverick bar, always in with alcohol. And it, he'd just become imbibed while as couples would do if when they're missing each other, say, oh, how was your week? How was your week? And then they start disclosing one to another what's going on. Well, I'm number 10 of 11 children, Stefan. And so I'm at the end of my mother's tirade of all the things that went wrong during the week. And so now I see what's happening. I can imagine in my own mind, my father is stacking one annoyance on top of another annoyance on top of another one, doing all that stacking effect. Number 10 comes along. Oh, he's a thorn between two roses. I'm the boy between two girls. All the rest are boys. And boys do things that you know ignite the flame in the father. Well, by the time he's my mother gets to telling about me and what I've done to the girls or whatever, and he respects women, you can tell because he took his wife out every single Friday. I'm the target. I get the whipping, I get the belt. 
I get the spanking, and there's mm -hmm. one time, Stefan, that I remember being black and blue for more than three weeks on my rear end. Oh, wow. So that's the type of, of environment I grew up in. So in that environment, I just tried to find happiness. Occasionally, we'd have games as a family. And I thought the games were fun. They taught us strategy. We'd have puzzles sometimes at, at, during the holidays. And we put puzzles together. And we had some bonding moments. But those other moments really kind of overshadowed the, the good moments. But the games really was something that I really liked. By the time I was 17 years old, I'd had enough. I moved out after my junior, junior year of high school, finished my senior year on the road. I moved in with my brother, and he, what, ha, shortly after I moved in with him, his company transferred him down to California. Mm. And I was, you know, I was stayed with him for just a, about a year, and then I went to Japan for a couple of years. So I was, I was just trying to get out of that environment, get to a better environment. In my brother's house, he was very kind father. He had just a couple of children at the time. He's just very kind to them most of the time until he was annoyed. And then he'd become annoyed and then become annoyed. And then he flashed. And he had the same pattern as my father. And, and so I realized after a while that I had the same pattern. And then I realized, I, I thought at age 35 that, oh, it's time for me to be responsible for my actions because prior to age 35, I was blaming my father for all the social, uh, the, the social awkwardness that it has when you get mad in public. It doesn't go well. All the mm. people around you are thinking, why is he so angry in public? And how do you, how do you rein that back in? How do you pull that back? So hard, so difficult. It's like tearing up all the, a piece of paper and a lot of little bits of paper, walking on the street, distributing it all over the street. <laughs> now, now go chase it. I mean, it's just something that is just impossible to do. Possible oh, to rein that back. Wow, wow, um, wow. Where to start? Uh, to start off with, well, actually, I rec recognize myself in that pattern. I recognize myself without minus the physical violence, but the, the, the try to people please, try to be everything for everyone, and then one thing adds on top of the other, and then suddenly I blow. Um, that is, I don't think there are too many men out there who can say, no, 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 never happens to me. Um, is it only a thing of man, though? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think my sisters, both of my sisters had that. And, and it's just, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I think it's generational. Somehow it had been passed down through the gener generations. And it's not not ex exactly anything that mm. uh, is genetic at all, but mm. it's just more generational. Something that happens mm. through the generations. And I think that there's mm. a way to stop that. Mm. So fast forward a few years. This anger, this anger outburst really was contributory to the demise of my first marriage. And so after eight children, my wife decides she's she's going to go do something else. I have five children left in the house. I'm the primary custodian wow. for this. And wow. on her week, on her weekends of having the children, then what I decided I'm going to do, I'm going to have this little mid midlife crisis and I'm going to go destination dating. 
So I went to Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and Daytona Beach, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, Nashville, Tennessee, Kansas City, New York City, Salt Lake City, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Cabo San Lucas, all these cities I went to trying to find love in all the wrong places, just like the song. And, and I couldn't find anything, couldn't find any long-term relationships. It was just short-term stuff. I thought I had a line on someone, so I moved to Phoenix, didn't work out. So here I am, single in Phoenix. Now, now understand my the pecking order in a fam number 10 of 11 children. I'm the remote control because we didn't have a remote control then. I'm commanded to walk up to the TV, turn the dial <laughs> to the next channel, and then walk back. I'm the remote control. I didn't make any choices. They made the choices for me. So my sister calls me while I'm in Phoenix, while I'm single. She says, I have a neighbor I want to introduce to you. My sister lives seven hours away. I said, I don't think so. I just finished destination dating. I'm not doing that again. And she said, oh, come on. You got to do what big sister says to do. So I said, okay, I'll email her. And I thought, what kind of relationship can you develop email? And I thought, yeah, probably nothing. Probably not much at all. Actually, it turned out really well. And I started being more interested in this, this woman. And I started calling and talking with her. And I wanted to go visit her and just went up, decided that we were getting a little close. We wanted to, to be closer. So I moved up to where my sister was. And then we started a more serious relationship. Now it's time for big brother approval. So I take this woman 300 miles north of where I'm, I'm living up for big brother approval. First thing that happens, I walk in the door, my sister-in-law pulls her aside and says, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up is anger. At first I didn't know, I said, oh, uh, then it made me mad. <laughs> you needed to prove the point, come on, man. <laughs> I proved the point, absolutely proved the point. So. I decided then and there that if there's any opportunity to change that perception of the Zolman family, now was the time. I started reading the color code. I started reading the five love languages, and I really liked the principles of the five love languages. Before three years before I was born, my mother converted to to the church to a church and and just brought us up in a faith-filled Christian church. And I decided. I like the principles of the love languages because it's a Dr. Gary Chapman that wrote it. He's a reverend. He said that each one of those principles of the love language reconciled to the life of Jesus Christ. So I thought that's a great idea, but I didn't understand the application. You mean, Dr. Chapman, that I'm supposed to guess what Stefan's love language is and cater to that? And you're calling that love? Ah, that doesn't sound like love. And who am I to say what love is, where I came from? But it didn't sound like love to me. Okay. And the second thing Dr. Chapman had in his book was, well, if you take this survey, then you can I can find out what my love language is. What the heck am I supposed to do with that? Advertise? Hello, Stefan. I'm gifts. What do you have for me today? It can be a little bit awkward, a lot awkward. That didn't work for me. So that that just wasn't working. So I, I remember that time, Stefan, that I was I was having fun with my family, playing games. I thought, well, what if I could make this a game? So I contacted oh. Dr. Chap I contacted Dr. Chapman 
and said, Dr. Chapman, are you licensing those little icons you have for each one of the love languages? His attorney wrote me back and said, no, we're not doing that. Well, I thought I'll, I'll talk to my attorney close by. He's a copyright attorney, intellectual property attorney. He said that theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application is. So I could make my own icons. I could make it into a game and make it my own. So I got the copyright for, for this dice that I have in front of me. This dice, I put the five love languages on it. Here you can see two hands held together, making a heart with a conversation fly out. Those are the words. Got a hand holding a, an hourglass representing time. And a hand holding a, a platter representing service. And let's see. Here, here's a hand holding a present yeah. representing gifts. And then there's two hands touching each other, representing touch. Five love languages, six sides on the die. The last side is surprise me, a hand holding a question mark. So there's just two instructions, Stefan. You roll the die every day. That's the love language you practice giving away all day that day. All day. I'm single when I create this, so I don't have, like Dr. Chapman suggests, I don't have a significant other. I don't have any anyone to practice it with so i said what am i going to do i just said well i'll just give love to everyone and that's how it began <laughs> oh what a what a step and what a perfect step to take because you took action uh you figured out a why you figured out a how and it was something that was close to your heart. So you went out there and started uh, just no longer accepting the past for, well, you have to accept the past for what it was, but a past does not equal the future. So you went actually, you know, go out there, you went out there and started changing lives. Bloody hell. How cool is that? Did you I, so so when you when you tried did you 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 obviously tried it yourself on yourself? What was right. your love language? Was it gifts? What was it actually that that is primarily your own love language? So obviously, from the way I the way I grew up, uh, if I wasn't being whacked, I wasn't feeling loved. So physical touch was obviously the love language of, according to the survey. As I've worked through this though a little bit more. And as the past doesn't determine the future, as you said, actually the words, I, I really like words more than more than anything, more than the time. Yeah. So I think that the love languages can change in that way, maybe change over time, because mm -hmm. I think your disposition changes over time. So what this did for me, Stefan, in, in the problem that I had, I kept saying to myself, I don't want to be angry. And it's kind of like a double negative. And only in math can you multiply two negative numbers together and get something <laughs> positive. It doesn't work in relationships. <laughs> it doesn't. It didn't for me. So I had to figure out, I need a replacement behavior. I need something to, instead of this anger, instead of this stacking, 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 I needed something. What the die did for me, rolling it every single day for just 30 days is all it took, just enough to become a habit. It took 30 days. I still roll it to, to this day, but mm -hmm. 
But just the first 30 days, I could see my whole demeanor changing. No longer was I annoyed at what people were doing because I realized I have absolutely no control over what they do or what they choose to do. I can't make any judgments that way. I can't do it. It's out of my lane. I can make choices, though, for what I wanted to do. And so I decided I'm just sending love out without any expectation of it coming back, but trusting, as some people would say, in the law of the harvest, where you plant a seed, it's going to grow. Or karma, where send it out, it's coming back. Or the law of attraction. Whatever way you want to say it, it's all the same thing. It's mm -hmm. a boomerang. Send it out, it's coming back to you. So I realized that after a 30-day period, I knew all the love languages backwards and forwards. After reading the book, The Five Love Languages, four or five times, if somebody offered me a million dollars, I couldn't name them all. I went through the book, but the book didn't go through me. I was not inside me. Even the practices, mm -hmm. even though I loved the principles and I understood the principles, this the love languages didn't go through me that way. So I, I felt like I really needed to uh, to be able to do that, to be able to uh, make it go through me. I needed to practice it just as I was doing. What happened was two things. I became what I like to call a love language linguist because I knew him backwards and forwards. 30 days, it's a sexy title, Stefan. I know you want that. I know everybody listening wants that title. I mean, just just think about it. Put it on your resume. When you go to that employer, that resume is going to, that employer is going to say, what the heck is a love language linguist? Exactly. You're going to say, I just love people. And they want their customers loved. And they want a loving environment within the workplace, not a hostile environment. That resume is going to rise to the top. Second thing that happens is that if this gives you the peripheral vision you need to recognize all different kinds of love when it comes your way. No longer is it just your primary love language that you think is love. You can see it, oh, that's not my primary love language, but they're loving on me. I can respond appropriately to that. That's that's so powerful, isn't it? Because um, the when you feel that you, you are not met in your love language, you get despondent and you become angry and you become frustrated whilst uh it, it and it's it's as if you're colorblind you you cannot see the other love language um that actually the other person is yeah. is completely trying to do it their way and it's so it's so blatantly obvious blatantly obvious when you are able to step back and see it for what it is but uh, two problems there a many of us don't have a clue about those love languages to start off with number one number two is it's all quite nice when you're in a in a more serene um calm uh state of mind the problem is i i can see those things when i am calm and when i'm nice close to my sort of resting point when i become stressed when i become distressed now, luckily, it's rare that I'm up there nowadays, but um, still, it becomes so much more difficult to even recognize those things. Do those love languages change based upon your state? So does the love language change when it become, when you move from serene to distressed? 
I believe they do. I, I don't I don't know from serene to distressed if that's where it changes, but I think our when our knowledge base changes, right. that's that's when it may change. Just because I didn't know all the love languages before, now that I know them, I think that yeah, it's changed because I know what they are. And now I know what they like. Now I can see people were loving on me all the time. Mm. I just couldn't see it. Mm. And and now it's like, uh, I, it's very similar to, Stefan, like a word that you've heard. And you think it, you heard it for your first time, but and then you learn it and then you hear it everywhere. And it's like, why didn't I hear that before? Yeah. And it's just like, it's exactly like that. So it's, it, as long as you, I think it changes as your education level changes, as your understanding of the love language changes, then it should change. And then it'll settle back down. It'll settle back down to what do you really like? What is mm-hmm. your very favorite? And, and you might find several favorites in doing that. You, it's just stepping out of that, that box of that primary love language, that box that that you've been put into by the survey or by other people step out of that box it's going to be a, a little bit discomfort uh, discomfort that you're going to feel giving those love languages away it's not something you would normally do hmm. but but do it anyway just do it anyway watch for those opportunities when people light up bingo you kind of hit something that either might be their primary or their secondary love language now you've made their day now they're going to spread that wonderful feeling mm. to their circle of friends. And now they're you're making other people have a great day. You're exporting love mm. in that way. And multiplying it because it, it's basically like a snowball turning into an avalanche that you can create. And I absolutely like that. Um, I often quote that I try to be the guy who says, as or who expresses as much respect to the cleaner as to the CEO. Um, and that is certainly true. But obviously, it is I do it with a smile or I do it just in one way, um, whilst I could be far more effective by actually knowing the love languages of others and utilizing that, not in a negative way of manipulation or something like that, but actually being more effective in communication. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with that. But no longer, Stefan, do you have to pause the relationship and say, could you take this survey so I can know how to love you? <laughs> yeah, well, tell me, tell me, because that is exactly the thing. So you know, it, do what do you do? How do you go about it? You observe. So when they light up, just take a mental note. That's what they like. And then you just wash, rinse, repeat. Do it over and over again. Okay. And for that, of course, you have to practice the love languages to start off with. Uh, otherwise, you don't know what, how you actually triggered that smile and that that look of appreciation. Um, is otherwise, it's just a tra- blindly throwing darts against the wall and, and trying to see if you hit something. Ah, very good, very very good. Bloody hell! Um, so I can see that working in relationships. Can that also be utilized or how have you uh, utilized that when it comes to the bigger societal challenges, the challenges of increasing violence in our society? Currently, I'm I'm doing a test market in the, in the school system. So the, the idea is that, that they roll the die every day 
the teacher or the, as a class, they roll the die every day. The teacher takes 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, explain class, this is the type of behavior we're watching for this today, or this is the type of love we're sending out today. At the end of the day, what we're gonna, what the classrooms are doing, I don't know if you can see that very well, yeah, but yeah. they're rec recording what they rolled, what opportunities they saw to love in that way, and then what they did about those opportunities. At the end of the day is the most non-productive time of school. Mm -hmm. The last 10 to 15 minutes, the kids are tired. They've been there all day. They're anxious. They're antsy. They want to get out. They know the bell's going to ring. They don't want to get into trouble. I mean, or they do want to get into trouble because they know the teacher doesn't want to stay after school too. So, so they just are just that particular time of the day, the non-productive time of the day, let's turn it to productive time. That's when they write in the journal, how did they fare that day? Now they become self-reporting. Now they know they're accountable for whatever actions they're doing throughout the day. They have to be responsible for it. Wow. They, have to write, they have to write about it. Wow. It's in and the test form. Yeah. And it's, just, and it's basically, that's the power of journaling that you're introducing there to a certain degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm really a, a, a big fan of that because it. how long did it take me to stop blaming my father, to start taking responsibility? I was 35 years old. Now you can get it when you're six years old in first grade. You can say, oh, now I see I'm responsible for my own actions. Hmm. We train that K through six and just, and only K through six, because in the United States, the schools have those classrooms. They're all in the same classroom all day long. Hmm. When they start to turn to sixth or seventh grade, then they start changing classes, start going from room to room. Hmm. But because they're in the same classroom all day long, the teacher can monitor it. They know what they rolled at the beginning of the day. The children are monitoring themselves because now they want to be able to write at the end of the day. I've got a franchise franchisee of Yogurtland who will offer the children five ounces of yogurt for free if they journalize this for 15 days of the month if cool. they if they by chance exceed that and go to 25 days per month make it a full habit the consecutive uh, time of 20 25 days in a row then he'll offer them 10 ounces of yogurt for free <laughs> great motivation for the kids and it's a great treat for them too hmm. for all that all they have to do is behave themselves tamp down the misbehavior tamp down the violence behave themselves and report. The, the third thing that happens here, Stefan, is that now that teachers just to not make it so it's really easy on the teacher, all the teachers doing is check mark if they did it or, or, or no check mark. Then the teacher sending that page home, I would say keep it a couple of days because your teacher may want to read something, may want to read in front of the class, for all the class to hear and understand how the, one of those students loved in that day. There'll be great stories that come out from that. Mm. I can I can guarantee you're going to have a lot of great stories. Read that in front of the class. You know, patronize that child for just a little bit, the star of the day, and, and then send that home. Mm. After you send that home, mm. the parents should be uh, alerted that this is what's going to be happening. Keep those journal pages at the end of first grade, at the end of third grade, at the end of sixth grade, 
now you have a love journal. I would have absolutely loved to have a love journal like that for my mother or my grandmother or for myself. Wow. 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 What a clever idea. What a great idea. Because it it just teaches so much. It, it, It puts into action a way of thinking, a way of feeling, a way of of uh, portraying yourself by, by by encouraging others to grow. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Wow. How as you say you're in a, in a kind of a test test program. How do the the is it one school that you're working with at the moment? It's a private school, and then right. I also started it actually in the Bronx in New York City. A very difficult school uh, to start it in, but there's a teacher that wanted to take on the project, and she's she's doing it in the Bronx right now as we speak. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. We know that there is so much that can be done, and we know that it is so much uh, sometimes just the right, the right word, the right touch, the right gesture. Whatever it is can be so uplifting, can be so powerful in getting you out of despair, getting you out of hopelessness, helplessness. And I think this is a, a, a this this makes you a superhuman. This makes you Superman or Superwoman or Super Thing. Um, it is just wow. I so wish it to you that this is uh, is becoming an avalanche that is rolling throughout the whole school system uh, in your town and then in your borough and then in your uh, just moving out. This would be so fantastic. Oh, mom. Nope, it turns into that, Stefan. I want to explain it just a little bit little bit more. You mentioned mentioned how, how the difference of behavior. And I the other day I was walking and found this little walking stick. Hmm. This, this stick this, is about three and a half feet tall, just perfect for a walking stick. And I found it one one side, it didn't have any bark on it, just like it is. One side is very smooth, but you look at the other side and it's got little points on it, little places mm. where maybe a branch was and then little knots on it. I, I call this side the naughty side of the stick. This is the nice side of the stick. It's my <laughs> not, naughty and nice stick. I know Santa Claus has a stick just like that. You probably didn't know that's how you get your presents every every Christmas, Stefan. It's on. It's because he has a naughty and nice list, uh-huh. and they they used to call the books sticks because they use them for scrolls and they'd roll up the paper. And all the people in the world, that's a lot of paper. It has to roll up with a stick. It's a naughty and nice stick. So there you go. On the naughty side of the stick for me for this spectrum was anger. When I realized after I went into my sister-in-law's home, my brother's home, and realized that I was still categorized on that naughty side of the stick i didn't want to be there i had three choices that i saw i can stay where i am stay the same and keep blaming that way you don't move it's when you can blame it's their fault you don't have to do anything you don't have to change it's their fault or i could become more naughty or i could become nice and on the nice side i put love anger has its own language has its own vocabulary has its own humor, has it all that subset. It's a culture all by itself. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, in contrast, so does love. The soft humor, the soft words, 
the kindness, all those words, just the languages of love. It's uh, you know diametrically different. Just it's 180 degrees. Mm. When I realized that what I was doing, that I was being annoyed at people that I say, what's wrong with you? Then those annoyances, then stacking it, were making me upset and angry. Mm. Or I was making myself, I was collecting it, stacking it, making it, getting to that point of being upset and angry. I found that with rolling the die for 30 days, my new mindset was, what's right with that person? What can I love about that person? And how can I help that person have their very best day ever? How can I make their day? Mm. And it's just as you change that mindset, it's 180 degrees. For that third, first 30 day period, I didn't have any blow ups at all. And I, as I keep rolling the die, it's totally mm. minimized any anger, any annoyances. I realize what my lane is. My lane is the choice to be that loving person. It's mm. not my job and it's out of my control the choices another person makes. I can't judge it for, for what they do. I can't help them make decisions. I can make suggestions only if they allow it. Mm. And you need to ask permission. You just can't tell them what to do. You can't get advice without permission that way. And so once I figured out what my lane was, just made life a lot easier. Wow. Wow. How long did the transformation take you? Because there was an idea, there was the, the slow realization. I mean, you're going back there uh, to uh, the moment you brought your, your new partner uh, to your family and uh, here's Mr. Angry. How long did that in transformation take from then to, I don't know, you, you choose the second set point. Okay, so from then to having having a, a dice created, the die that I showed you right here, hmm. from from that point to the die, probably three and a half years. Well, wow. okay. And and so it took it took a full two years to do the artwork for the die. Hmm. Then I had to find the die manufacturer that would do it. <laughs> yeah. And and so I actually found the die manufacturer in Poland. And so cool. they're, my, uh, they're no they're known for their ceramics. They're known for their artisanship, and the, they were just did a fabulous job. And the cost of doing it, doing business in Poland versus doing it in any United States manufacturer, one third of the cost, yeah. including tariffs and shipping, one third of the cost. Well, no, I think uh, I was more referring to the fact that any such uh, realization then leads to practice and practice comes with failures etc and practice comes with um with just time you can't expect mm -hmm. to go from angry idiot to loving overall best husband of the year uh in you know a week <laughs> a fortnight <laughs> hey i'm really fast a month <laughs> you know no 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 it doesn't work like that um so i think we need to give ourselves a bit more grace there and a bit more understanding that this is not a fast change because we need to make mistakes we we can't get it right always and, and right and you you got to allow that latitude for mistakes mm. but for me stefan i i really had the desire to be better mm. And it actually did. It only took 30 days for mm -hmm. me to, to really overcome 
those flashes, overcome the annoyances, realize that I'm being annoyed for something somebody else has a choice over, something that I have no control over. Mm. When I relinquished that idea that I had any control over what that person mm. did, I had no anxiety of it, what they did. I, I, even if they pull in front of me while I'm driving, I have no control over what they do. When I realized that, it reduces the anxiety, it reduces the need to spout out, it reduces any need to be annoyed. I have zero control. They're going to do what they're going to do. All I have control over is what I'm going to do, the person I'm going to be. And even in those circumstances of getting annoyed, was I going to be annoyed or was it going to be loving? Mm -hmm. And that was my choice. That's the new choice. What's right about that person? Even what's right about that person that just pulled in front of me? Well, maybe what's right about them is they put their blinker on first. Maybe what's right about them is that is that maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they've got maybe they're taking someone to the hospital. Maybe it's okay in those circumstances. And of course it'd be okay if they're taking someone to the hospital or they're sick or something is going on that they have to be where they need to be very much faster than I do allow them that latitude. And so what's right about that is my attitude. Mm. And and just my whole attitude changed about that. And it changed dramatically. I'm saying 30 days. It didn't take long because when you're faced one way and you turn around and face the other way, you can't go both ways at the same time. You can't. So I was committed, committed to rolling the die, committed to loving, committed to sending out, committed to making people's day happy, committed to lifting those around me. When you look around, there's a lot of people that are lower, have lower self-esteem than you, have a lower, uh, maybe a displeasure for their life the way it is. Just they're in trouble. You can lift those people no matter where you're at. Even if you feel very low yourself, I would recommend that as a remedy to get yourself out of the doldrum, get yourself out of the looking at me, 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 and look at them. This is the whole idea. It's no longer about me and about me receiving love. Dr. Chapman would say, may, may argue differently because he said, take this survey so that you know what your love language is and then advertise that, tell people about it so that they can love you. I don't think that's possible. I can't bid people to love me. So it's really not about me. It's out of my control. When when they do love me, though, I want to be ready. I want to know the love languages, mm. and I want to be able to respond appropriately. Having said that, if you are in a relationship for the long run, um, let's say me and my wife, um, I think it is really important that we both realize what are our primary love languages and what are um, the things that really are uh, no discussion, no um, look really, especially when I'm not not right, when I'm not balanced in my thoughts, that's how you need to treat me. Um, so if you can actually verbalize that and, and realize what is happening there, that is, I think, a really good thing to do to happen in a 
relationship. If you then if you then expand and grow that system, so to speak, further, um, and realize, okay, actually, yes, while she loves to talk, um, there's also certain other things like service, um, um, for her to realize that she is not the cleaning lady in my house, or that she is not the, the kind of thing for me actually doing those little things um that is so important as well so there's probably a spectrum of love languages that we have um and i think it's really really good if we can actually figure out first of all who am i and because mm-hmm. we need to take ownership so in order to take ownership you need to to do a bit of self self examination and need to figure out who you are and and how you tick if you have no idea about that then uh, but then again, the moment I say that is if you actually start practicing the different love languages, you very quickly figure out, hang on, this is actually, oh, that feels good for me too, uh, compared with others. So right. there is this practice uh, that is necessary. And I guess your system allows that really, really well. It does. And and so consider my own my own background. Where I came from, I didn't know even know what a love language was. Mm. So how am I supposed to know what my love language is? And, and what I found, Stefan, by giving this away, I figured out what I mm-hmm. like. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I because I didn't know it before. And imagine there's a lot of people around the world that are in the very similar situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe they absolutely have no idea what their love language is. Mm-hmm. So this is almost experimental that mm-hmm. you're giving it away, experimenting with all the love languages so that you can figure out what is it that I really like? And then, then it kind of will dawn on you that you'll have that understanding. Wow. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, how, where are you at with marketing? Um, and are you, uh, what is your, what is your vision? What is your, your vision? Who, what will Paul Solomon do over the next year? What will happen uh, with your with your dice? What will happen with you? What will happen with uh, your vision? Thank you for that question, Stefan. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. What I see happening is I see myself actually forming a nonprofit organization because I don't know that I'll be able to keep up. If, if I had a lot of schools, that wanted to implement this into their curriculum mm. because it's so easy, very little investment on the front end mm. or, or no investment. And that's what I'd be looking for to develop a nonprofit so that there could be corporate sponsors that they would buy the die, they would buy the journal journal page, be able to send it out to schools for free. Something the schools, we need the schools, the teachers to be able to earn a little bit more and so they don't need to spend more money on curriculum. Hmm. So I would want to develop that nonprofit organization, first of all, so that that could happen. The second thing that I, I see happening is that I'll develop a coaching system that we can coach people on how to how to send out the love languages. And hmm. by sending it out, what we're trying to teach, Stefan, is these are the basics of love. These are just very, very bare, bare bone basics. Hmm. We're not even getting to the compassion. We're not getting to the forgiveness. We're not getting to the charity. We're not getting to the philanthropy at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Over time, you'll be just like I was stacking annoyances. You'll start stacking these love languages one on top of another. 
that's how you stair step into the higher laws. <laughs> this is this is really a lower law. This is elementary, as Watson would say. It's elementary. This is really something that everybody should know, but yeah. we don't. Let's get this foundation set, and then let's stair step into the higher laws of love and affection. I love it. Absolutely love it. Paul, if there are people out there who are listening and say, wow, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I want to know more about you. Where can they find you? Where can they uh, gel with you more and maybe create strategic alliances to actually move forward? So a couple of places. My website is probably one of the best spots. It's called rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love.com. And I did kind of a play on words, Steph, and I, you probably noticed it. R-O-L-L is what you do to the dice outside of you. R-O-L-E is what is the change that happens within. Two different things. Roll of love, R-O-L-E is of love.com is the website. And you can buy the book, the die, and and the, or the bundle of the book, the die, and the journal all online on that website. If you're listening to this podcast and you prefer the audible version of a podcast or of a book, you can actually go to amazon.com. I've got the book in paperback format. I've got the journal in paperback format. You can listen, um, have a Kindle version, or you can have an audible version of that. The die is only available on my website. Brilliant. And guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast. Um, it is a very lovely investment in yourself. Uh, to actually follow that through. And I dare to say, by doing, uh, by taking action in this way, and then taking repeated action in the right direction, you will change. It's impossible not to change. It's impossible not to grow. So therefore, wow, what a beautiful tool. Oh, really, an, an action tool um, to to fast forward in your relationships and in your life wow well i can't wait to actually try that out uh paul uh you're an amazing man uh you have got a beautiful vision you've got a beautiful story of transformation and i'm so grateful that you were able to share that with me today i wish you Thanks. so much power energy and uh, the right uh alliances um to actually make that work my goodness, uh, you are potentially changing the world. One school so. at a time, one pupil at a time. How cool exactly. is that? But we yeah. all have that power. We all can do that. So therefore, let's. what happens if we start working together? What happens if we actually start creating teams that slowly but truly change the world? Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that too. Thank you, Stefan. <laughs> Such a pleasure to be with you today. I, I just want to note that the cost of the book, the die and the journal is much, much less than even one session of therapy. It's all, it's, it's definitely worth the investment. <laughs> Perfect. Paul, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to, to uh, a pleasure. It was an honor. It was a privilege to actually talk to you today. So look after yourself and I'm sending you all the energy out there to keep going and, and expand your system. Thank you, Stefan. It's been such a pleasure to be with you. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.